The Money Podcast by best-selling author of Money, Rob Moore, dives into how to make, manage, and master money. How to know more, make more, and give more. How to save, invest, and raise money. The Money Podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money in a job, profession, or passion. For money masters and money disasters. They say money doesn't make you happy. Rob says it does. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the final module, module six of the business coaching program. And um, we're in live. I'm doing this to a a live audience. Uh, And this is all about sustaining your long-term business empire, sustaining long-term growth, sustaining cash for the long term, making your business durable, sustainable, making it um, de-risked, making it uh, robust against Brexit, recession, dips and peaks and troughs in the economy, uh, outgrowing you, outgrowing staffing issues, etc. So we're going to focus on sustainability. So my first question to you to sustain your business for the long term would be, what is the legacy of your business? So, you know, what do you intend it to be at the end of its life? Do you intend to have got a personal computer in every home? Do you intend to help as many people across the planet invest for freedom, choice and profit? Do you intend to sell it in three to five years? You have a a start, build, sell, three to five year rolling business strategy, which I know many people do. So the more clear you are on the legacy of your empire, do you want to sell shares? Do you want to sell the whole business? Would you like there to be a management buyout? Would you like to pass it on to your children uh, who who come through and end up becoming the the MD when you become the chairman or they, uh, you know, when they become the CEO, when you become non-exec, etc.? Uh, And they say start with the end in mind. I think that was Stephen Covey who started that. So are you clear on what the end of your business looks like? Now, don't worry, if you're just starting out, there are five more modules to this business coaching program. And and module one is the start up phase. Um, So it's not like you have to be so clear that you can't start before you're clear on this. Because, you know, there's this whole thing of start with why that Simon Sinek um, he wrote about and got a lot of us to think about. Well, I know loads of people are like, well, I haven't got my why, so I can't start. So yes, yeah, start with why, but start and build your why as you go. And don't not start because you haven't got your why. Because I've spoken to a lot of people like, well, I've been looking for my why for like 10 years and I don't know what my why is, so I'm still skinned. So you can keep reinventing the legacy of your business. The legacy of your business could be for you to get out of debt for the long term, building cash, building cash flow, having taking on business to the mature stage, enduring recessions, uh, cash flow crises, recessions, challenges to your business. So the first question would be, what's the legacy of your business, uh, your empire? Do you plan to build an empire? Do you plan to build just a lifestyle business? Uh, what's the what's the end that you want to get to? You know, Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind. What is the long term plan of your business? Do you want to pass it to children? Uh, do you want to just keep scaling it? Do you want to sell it? Do you want to sell shares in it? Do you want w- will there be a management buyout? Uh, so I think the more clear you can be as you uh, go and grow in your business, uh, that the clearer direction you have and the more long term sustainability you have. Uh, y- you know. If you're emotional or you're lacking strategy, um, you know, and you're reacting to schemes and scams and get rich quicks and any opportunity that comes your way, uh, then your, your business isn't going to have a clear path for its future. You're just going to be, um, you know, spread thin uh, and reacting rather than being proactive. So uh, having some cash behind you, having a clear 
uh, vision, knowing what the legacy of your empire is going to be, enables you to make sound strategic and not flippant emotional decisions. So it's very important. Now, at the same time, don't wait till you've got your perfect legacy before you start. You know, a lot of people say to me, well, Rob, I'm trying to find my why. And they say, start with my why. And I've been looking for my why for 20 years. And because I um, haven't found my why, I can't start with my why because I haven't got my why. So I haven't started my business. Uh, And of course, that's kind of counterproductive. I remember when I started business, I wanted to get out of debt and that was my why. And then I wanted to make three grand a month and that was my why. Then I wanted to make five grand a month then 10 grand a month then 20 grand a month. And then I realized I wanted to go from local to maybe regional. And then I wanted to go to from regional to national, national to intercontinental, intercontinental to global. Uh, then I wanted a foundation. Then I realized that actually it's not just about me. It's about service. It's about sustainability. Um, it's about helping underprivileged people that my foundation is involved in. So you can grow the plan of your legacy and your empire as you go, not before you go. But you certainly want to get clear on that if you want long term sustainability in your business. Um, so then your question becomes, how do you maintain this consistent growth? So in your early years, you're picking the low hanging fruit of the communities, the followers, the fans and the contacts you already have. Then you hit this point where you're like, OK, so I've kind of like sweat Uh, the contacts I already have. Now I've got to start doing marketing. I've got to do paid ads. I've got to create multiple streams of leads. And then as you do that and you figure out which um, lead sources work for you, um, then you maybe hit another point where you're like, right, okay, now we're maxed out in in terms of resource and capacity. That might be staff or that might be systems. So then you might have to look at staffing up, changing your culture for growth, hiring up before you need It might then involve doing partnerships and collaborations and joint ventures so that you can grow to the next level because obviously you can achieve a lot more with with leveraging others. And Virgin are basically a company that do joint ventures and collaborations with other companies. I trained my um, many trainers so that I, I was running all the events five years ago. I did 250 events in one year and that wasn't just 60 minute keynote speeches. These were like day long conferences, 250 days out of the year. And i started to lose my voice and definitely felt a little bit burned out and fatigued. And now we have a hundred trainers in our elite trainer mastermind program. Uh, and I've probably got 20 to 25 really good, um, high level trainers. And now we do 800 to 850 events in a year. And I probably only do 20 of them. So collaborations, joint ventures, having trainers, partnerships, contractors, consultants takes you to the next level of growth. Then you might get to the point where you start, um, at, Acquiring. So I had a good meeting with Alex yesterday, who um, has got a, a, a quite a disruptive company and um, he's got about 400 clients and he's looking to acquire two new companies to get to 1200 clients. So instead of trying to go organically from 400 to 1200 clients, which might take four years, if you can buy two existing companies and you grow through acquisition. So we've bought a few companies. We, um, we've bought a letting agency. We're in negotiations trying to buy a couple at the moment. Um, training companies. I'm looking at doing deals with them so we can grow to the next level. So, you know, your plan for consistent growth and you're going to hit ceilings whereby you're maxed out, you're at maximum resource in terms of staffing or systems or cash or cost. Uh, And then how do you push through that? And often that's um, going through different stages and looking at new ways to acquire leads and clients and, um, and growth. Okay, next then is, do you want to sell? Do you want to retire? Do you want to sell shares on the markets? Do you want a management buyout? Do you want to hand over to your children? Uh, now, of course, when you're 25, you don't think about these things, but I think it's good to think about that now, even if you're young and you can change your mind. And by the way, if you design your business and systemize it and have good processes, 
um, and automation and software so that it could sell and you make yourself redundant, not reliant, and you have good management structure and you have good training processes, even if you decide you don't want to sell it, you can sell it so you're in a strong position. And you might just think that you want to sell the whole thing, but then you may only want to sell shares in it because you've fallen in love with the business or you want to be involved in its next stage of growth. Or conversely, you might think, oh, I'd like to sell shares in this business to raise capital, to put some, take some off the table for yourself and the rest to fund growth. And then you might get fatigued and you might be five, 10 years in and think, you know, I just want to sell the whole thing. So you want to give yourself all these options and think about these in advance. Um, the main ways to exit a business are to sell, to raise shares, to retire, to pass to uh you know, legacy of children or someone, some other uh, people related in some way to you, you hand the business over to a management buyout um, or your death. That can happen. And you want to make sure that the business is sustainable um, and durable um, if something bad happens to you or anyone high level in the team that you couldn't do without. Next, then, is balancing sustainability with scalability. So it's kind of like business tends to go in waves. And we're enduring that this year. So I wanted this year to be our biggest year yet. I'm looking to break through the 20 million pound um, turnover and booked business target for the year for two of my companies combined. And we've had a great start to the year. And we've certainly put a lot more out and a lot more in. And it's causing some challenges because things break. You need more staff. You need more systems. You've got more to deliver. There's more onus on you if you're selling products and services that are involved in you. So sales are great grow the sales, but then you increase the customer service, the, you know, the, um, the follow up, the systems that need to cater for the sales that you've made. And this is a balance. And in some ways, it's good to prepare for scale first by setting up systems, being ready, having uh, anything that needs to be automated, automated before you go on a big sales push. But in reality, businesses are often just trying to keep going and they're sort of selling and they're kind of a bit shooting from the hip, if you like. So this is a balance. Um, if you can prepare before the next round of growth, great. If you can't, as you grow, just realize you, you can't just sell, 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 sell. You've got to also deliver, 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 set up systems, processes, training. Um, certainly if you're entrepreneurial, uh, you know, and you love the, the marketing, the sales, the vision, the strategy and the growth, but you're not really so keen on the back end and the, you know, the, the durability, the systemization, the sustainability, but this is important. You may need to hire someone in to do that. You might need a coder to uh, manage all of your online assets and, you know, the, um, the systems that you've got. You might need to take some of these systems in-house if you've got outsourcers that aren't delivering or vice versa. You might need to outsource some extra uh, products and services and ongoing maintenance and support. And it's a balance. And, uh, you, you know, you probably will never get it perfect. Um, but, you know, you can just try your best and you can just keep striving for, or for sustained, um, secure growth. So that leads me on to the next point, which is um, linked, which is systemizing and staffing before scaling. So um, if I decide that I want to launch a new vertical, a new product or service, and I think that that might bring, I don't know, one to two million pounds into the business before I'd think, OK, how many staff will be needed? What could break in advance? What's broken before? And what resources needed? what um, current resources, whether that's staff or systems, might be maxed and might be working now, but then might break, etc. Um, So, yeah, uh, thinking about these before you go on this massive growth path and not just focusing on, on sales is important. I have a rolling recruitment policy now, which is I'm always looking for great people. 
and I know that once we get fully resourced, um, that could change the next day when someone could leave or something could happen. There could be some kind of disruption. So it's kind of like you go through these cycles of scaling up, breaking, fixing, systemizing, scaling, breaking, uh, fixing, systemizing, scaling, breaking, fixing, systemizing. Let me say that again, scaling, breaking, fixing, systemizing. And that is business and that, ha and that happens. Natalie has said, ah, the camera is bouncing. The more you get passionate and bang on the desk. Sorry about that, but I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, you didn't see what happened before. Or maybe you did when the camera completely um, fell down and the live stopped. All right. Next then uh, is having sustainability and scalability and durability in your business is about preparing for harder times well in advance. Prepare for the recession. Prepare for Brexit. Prepare for staff leaving. Prepare for legal challenges, reputational issues. You know, prepare for leaner sales times with cash in the bank. Uh, and I think that that's really important because um, if you don't prepare for the worst, then the worst will happen. I'm not being negative. I'm not being glass half full. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not being, uh, but it's not just about thinking about 10x and growth, 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 growth. Um, so, you know, Mark and I have been saving for the next recession probably since 2010, personally and from a business. You know, we like to leave anywhere between eight and 36 months of capital in the bank based on current overhead with zero um, sales. So, you know, the, the working capital left in the bank, the burn rate per month, as it's known. Um, so, that, so for example, let's say we're at minimum eight months. Anything under that, we start to get a bit worried and we start trying to stockpile cash by, you know, selling more or reducing costs, or whatever. Um, and so uh, if, we, if you've got eight months working capital in the bank, that means you can make no sales for the next eight months and you can pay all of your overhead. Of course, you could halve your overhead and you could last 16 months. So cash. Um, having, you know, good relationships with your clients, um, you know, having good web assets, um, having podcasts and books and good social media profiles so that you can reach a lot of people in case you need to reach more people. Uh, these can all um, help you sustain through harder, leaner times because there's going to be them in the next 20, 30 or 40 years in your journey if you want to be in business that long, which I do. OK, so next then is diversifying your risk, your assets, your sources of leads and your sources of income. I really believe in multiple streams of leads. I think if you rely on one lead source like word of mouth or referral, then you are at risk. What if you, there's a reputational issue to your business and no one wants to refer to you, you refer you anymore? What if your main referees um, just decide to refer someone else? Then you have you go from good business to no business. Um, I'm mentoring someone who's got a car wrapping business and he said he went from 40 jobs to literally three because Brexit really affected people, of course, with trade going from different countries. Um, that is a reality of Brexit. In, in many ways, Brexit doesn't affect a lot of what we do. But in some ways, it's a, a, a harsh reality. Um, and this was all commercial vehicles. So maybe they need to look more into going for celebrities and footballers, uh, you know, and, and the, the retail, not the commercial market. So I believe it's really important. This is why I have written lots of books. I've written property books and business books, and I keep writing books. I've got two podcasts. Um, my um, trainers and community members have got podcasts. Um, what else have we got? I've got a YouTube channel. I've got a Facebook page. I've got many Facebook groups, Instagram pages, YouTube channels, all of these assets that create streams of leads. We do Facebook ads, Amazon ads, Spotify ads, Google ads. We do some print ads. We do um, shows. We do our own events. 
and I think it's really, we have an ambassador referral program, multiple streams of leads creates multiple streams of income, but it also spreads and diversifies your risk. You know, what if YouTube shut overnight? Now people say, oh, well, YouTube are never going to shut. Well, Vimeo did. And some people had te- five, 10 million followers on Vimeo. No, Vine, sorry, not Vimeo, Vine. So Vine was the six second um, video um, media platform. And it just went, gone. What about MySpace? You know, what about people, bands who had a million um, followers on MySpace? Well, that's dead. Google Plus, dead. Um, so if you overly rely on one of those, uh, 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 you're in trouble. Um, and that, hey, look, I'm, I'm talking about sustainability, scalability. Uh, I, I, there are other areas of business that I'm not talking about in this particular theme on this module. And Bebo, Alan has just said, yeah, who remembers that? Um, there you go. All right, so what have we got next then? Um, trust and training in great staff, communicating your, your legacy and a rescaling of the vision. So sustainability is an ongoing thing. You build layers and levels of protection. So that could be, be you draw some money, but you only draw half of your retained earnings Sorry, you only draw half of your net profit so that you've got half of your net profit in retained earnings. So that is consistently drawing some money but all, and paying yourself, which, which is really important in your business, but also leaving good capital in the business bank account. That's a, a layer of protection. Then you might say, well, you know, what? I don't want all that in the business current account in case there's some elaborate scheme or scam. And there are some elaborate, elaborate ones. So you might have two million quid and you might put 500 grand in three different savings accounts and then keep 500 grand in the business account. And that's diversified and de-risked again. Then you take your own money and you pay a bit off your mortgage. And, uh, you know, maybe you uh, max your ISAs every year. And every now and again, you buy some Krugerrands or, you know, you buy the odd watch that might hold in value or, um, you know, and you start to build these layers of, of assets. You put some money into a property. You put some money into a SIP for your pension. So you're doing all this because it's important. If you're personally de-risked uh, and you're diversified, then if the business undergoes some challenges, you don't have to pay yourself for a few months and you can sustain that. And then with your business, so you um, write books, uh, you do podcasts, you set up business pages, you have a great website, you have lead lead pages and opt-in pages, you have lead magnets and product magnets, Um, you know, you have different verticals of products and services, you have um, renewal offers and you have uh, cross-selling and upselling and downselling and, you know, you have um, a multiple purchase offers and all of these assets, again, make you diversified. Now, you have to be careful. If you sell 250,000 products, that's overwhelming. So you can get to the point where you over-diversify, um, but it just means that you've got more sustainability and, and, and less risk from any one area going wrong. And it's the same with your staff. Um, so, of course, you can't hire um, too quickly because staff might be up to 40% of your overall cost. So you don't just want to go and hire a load of staff that you can't afford to, p- to pay. But um, hiring good staff and then when they get overwhelmed, breaking up their roles and outsourcing bits or hiring more staff. So we hired a head of marketing for our first marketing role. And then, of course, we've got three or four people in pay-per-click now. We've even got someone who just does follow-up marketing. We've got various people who run launches for us. We've got um, people who do the technical side. We've got uh, someone who manages our ambassador program. We've got someone who manages our social media so, you know, initially one person did that and, and then that, that broke out. Um, training staff is vital. Uh, um, we're not always the best at it, but we are much better than we used to be. 
giving them onboarding, giving them good manuals, letting them shadow other staff members, giving them a grace period of a few months where if they make mistakes, you accept that and you just keep giving them feedback and giving them monthly one-to-one reviews, maybe weekly short catch-ups and making sure that they've got the resources and the training and the tools to do a great job. Now, of course, if if they've got all of that and then they don't do a great job, then you have to look at performance management. Um, But then that's on you to, uh, to try and hire good people. So your relationships with recruitment consultants, uh, and your um, your reputation out there as an employer, as is mostly good. And occasionally, you know, you get a disruption if um, an interview doesn't go so well. So I, I remember thinking um, that, well, you know, people want to come and get a job for me at Progressive Property and they're in an interview. And I, I felt like I had to do what I could to interview that person to check if they're the right person for the job. And then I got a complaint from someone um, who didn't think my interview style was, um, they didn't like my interview style. They thought it was maybe a bit aggressive. Um, and that, fe- that feedback got back to the recruitment agency. Uh, and then um, that feedback got back to us. And then I realized, actually, even when someone comes to impl- apply for a job for you, how they're looked after um, is your brand. Now, we failed a couple of times and we've done right most of the time. They get looked after when they come in and occasionally, you know, I mean, ultimately, you've got to work out if they're the right person for the job. So that's something that I, I didn't realize was an asset of my business, my brand as an employer. And, and as you grow, um, that becomes more important. Also, the recommunication constantly of your vision and your legacy. So your staff need reminding all the time. Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? Why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? Um, because, you know, day to day, week to week, they'll have challenges, disruptions. They, you know, so they may be frustrated in their role. They may be having a difficult time personally. Um, you know, they may be someone may be um, flirting with them to headhunt them. And all these things go on in people's lives. So if you're constantly like, this is why we're doing it and this is where we're going, you know, we're going to help as many people across the planet invest for freedom, choice and profit. We're changing the world by giving people a better financial education. We're reaching people in global markets. We have people who subscribe to our podcast in 192 countries. You know, we get hundreds of messages a day from people because literally my companies and myself now do get hundreds of messages a day of people anywhere from thanks for your book or thanks for your video or thanks for your help all the way to, you know, I bought a property portfolio or I became financially free. And Constantly reminding your team of the great things that you do in the world. And each time you tweak your vision and make it go from personal to local to community to um, national to intercontinental to global. And some people are even intergalactic like uh, Elon Musk and Richard Branson. Each time you're able to push your vision out, you share that with your team. You inspire them. You let, We all need to know where we're going and why we're doing what we're doing. Otherwise, it's just a job. Um, so this is really important in sustaining the growth of your business, because if you want to sustain the growth of your business for the long term, you've got to be reliant on other people. Uh, and at some point, you've got to get out of the day to day. And some, at some point, you've got to get out of the management. And even to some degree, at some point, you get out of the leadership and just into the strategy, um, you know, and, and the sort of the board level. So the higher level of abstraction you can go um, and the more you've got a team below you who can implement and execute all the way from the strategy and the vision level down to the management, down to the operational, then you have a sustainable, scalable business that doesn't rely on you. That means you can go and set up other businesses, create more income streams, go and do a bit more of what you love, etc. And then finally, it's looking at your preparation for exit. So um, do you just want to keep growing, which is what I always wanted to do for years? Um are you systemizing your business so that uh, it could be sold or it could run without you? 
Um, are you preparing for due diligence process when someone comes in? Because if someone wants to buy your business, they're not just going to buy it based on what you, um, a few spreadsheets and a few management accounts that you send them. They're going to do a full on due diligence process. And they're going to want to know that the business isn't reliant on you. They're going to want to know that the, um, the uh, management accounts are accurate and the, and the, the net profit is accurate and that there's not money uh, that isn't included in those accounts. They're going to want to know what your reputation is like online. They're going to want to know what systems and processes work and don't. They're going to want to know how much room there is for growth of this business. What capacity is this business at? Who could this business do without? What's the culture and the current mood? Um, and, and you know, is this a, a business that's set up to grow and it's got a passionate team or is this a business become a bit lethargic? And they're going to do a lot of DD on that. So you're going to be want to, you're going to want to be well systemized. You're going to want to have your reputation managed well um, so that you uh, can go through that process in a relatively short amount of time uh, and then exit your business, whether that's shares or sale um, or management buyout, etc. All right, great. So let me just summarize what we covered. We covered um, thinking about the vision, the legacy of your empire, be it starting with the end in mind and being clear about um, what your business will look like at the end, even if that end is beyond your life, which I would probably recommend it, it should be if you want to build an empire. How do you consistently maintain growth when you hit ceilings? Ceilings of just your communities and low-hanging fruit of free traffic and leads and then paid ads. And then when they become less effective or there's more competition, collaborations, partnerships, acquisitions, and always hitting through that ceiling to maintain consistent long-term growth. What's your actual end goal? Sell, retire? IPO, MBO, die, um, pass on to children or someone else to take over. How do you balance sustainability with scalability? Because often you scale fast and things break. So going through that, um, sell, break, fix, systemize, sell, break, fix, systemize, repeat process. Um, systemizing before you scale ideally or at least scaling, knowing that there's going to be breakage and fixing that quickly or um, getting ready for that, resourcing up for that. Preparing for harder times before you have harder times, because if you don't prepare for harder times before you have harder times, you'll have harder times and then you'll have to react to harder times. Uh, and that obviously is reactive rather than proactive. Stockpiling cash, having good systems, having resources, having multiple streams of leads, having multiple streams of income, having multiple assets personally and in your business. Um, such that if your um, lead source halved, you could still sustain a good amount of months or years of that. Maybe getting shares in other companies, starting other companies in different niches or industries. How do you diversify your risk and your assets? Maybe breaking your company up into different parts. Um, maybe having a product or a service in a different vertical or um, in a, um, yeah, in a different industry completely, for example. Uh, then training your staff, onboarding your staff, having your staff grow, having them uh, grow into new roles uh, so that they can continue to maintain and manage their career, recommunicating your vision and your legacy over and over to re-enthuse your staff to keep to have so they know where they're going. You stand at the top of the ship and you look out into the horizon and you know where you're going, but do all of your staff. Okay, cool. So question time now. Um, if anyone's got any, so I've got one here from Andrew. Was breakage the reason as to why you had personal calls with some of your clients recently? Um, I don't know what that means, Andrew. Um, if, I don't mind if you want to be more specific, but um, 
I do spend a reasonable amount of my time, I would probably say at least five hours a week, um, either just uh, speaking to and helping people who are really struggling. Like I have this little rule, someone's really struggling, like depression or worse, or, you know, maybe they've done our courses or other people's courses and they, they just hit a massive wall and they're really down on it. I'll always just pick up the phone and speak to them and give them 15 minutes of my time. Uh, and all they have to do is reach out and send me my mobile. Now, if they try and pitch me for business or they make out that um, things are really bad, but they're not, I mean, I have products and services for that, but I'm just always there to support. Um, I do have a very close relationship w via WhatsApp and they all have my mobile number, my clients who I mentor, and I'm always accessible to them. And if they need a call, I'll do a call because I don't care how big you get. I think that's really important. Um I've been doing this random thing and I don't want it to make it a big publication. So, you know, there's not too many people that will hear about this, but um, I've had quite a few requests for people to um, um, send a message for their birthday. So I um, phone people up on their birthdays just because their wife has said, hey, look, you know, my husband is a fan of yours or whatever. And I just phone them up on their birthdays. Um, if I've got like any major complaints, my team deal with all the um, complaints. And when I say all, we've probably got one and a half percent. Um, of all um, bookings in terms of it might be a refund request, a, an ongoing issue or going, going into bad debts. So it's very low and I'll monitor that, by the way. And if it gets over 3%, then there's a, there's a concern there. Um, so don't get involved in the logistics, but people can always reach out to me. Um, and I think that that's really important. And, you know, I don't care how big you get. I think that you've got to stay connected to some degree. But of course, uh, I am a businessman. I run a business. I'm allowed to charge for my products and services. My mentoring is um, 25,000 or 50,000 pounds for the year, depending on which program you go on. And so if I give all my time for free to everyone else, that's not fair to my clients. So I have these little rules that I, um, that, um, you know, that I set, which I think are equitable, which balance my fair fees and the clients that pay for me. Uh, and also, you know, hopefully giving my time. All right. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. This was module six of the business coaching program, which means you are finished. Uh, so let me just go back and tell you what modules one to six were. Um, thank you and well done for getting this far. Uh, so this was a, it's a six module business coaching program. The six S's from startup to scale up to sell up. Um, module one is the startup phase. Module two is the sales phase. Module three is the staffing and systems phase. Module four is the survival phase. Module five is the scaling phase. And then module six, the sustainability phase. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, remember, if you don't risk anything, and then one final thing is um, accountability. So I would like you to share three goals, non-negotiable goals that you're going to commit to in the next four weeks. If you go to bit.ly forward slash T-D-E-C-O-M-M, bit.ly forward slash T-D-E-C-O-M-M, there's a thread in that um, Facebook group for disruptive entrepreneurs where you can share your goals for the next four weeks that you want to be held accountable to. So go there right now. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.